Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. All right, I see you clapping before I even say anything. I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. I'm so glad you're with us today. My name's Brian. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, whether you're in the house, I know a lot are traveling as we start Thanksgiving week, so thank you wherever you're coming from, unfiltered radio all over the state, uh, beyond podcast, live stream. Um, so glad you guys are with us. Uh, if you didn't know, we are in part four of a series right now we're calling Awakenings. And so this is part four. We've got two more weeks left. I wanna make a plug already for the final week. Um, I was gonna start my Christmas series in December because that's when you start Christmas series, but I, um, I kind of pushed it back because because there was another message I wanted to add to this series specifically about walking through those seasons when everything hits the fan and how we prepare for those seasons, how we maintain faith. So I'm gonna set that up a little bit today. Don't miss the final two weeks of this series and make sure um, that you invite somebody here. Thank you for those of you who have invited and what God's doing through that. So you guys ready to go? You ready to get started? Um, well, that was, that was weak compared to what I started with, but hopefully it'll end stronger. Here's the, the thing that's true for all of us, and this is gonna seem really elementary and 101, um, but it's something that gets lost in church world specifically. Maybe it's not a religious thing, but I've just seen it so much. And that, this, this, it's this idea that like believing is everything. And if you just believe right, like everything else falls in line. In fact, I can't tell you how many messages I've heard around that my entire life, but you just believe the right stuff, things just tend to work out. And I think that is completely false. In fact, if just believing the right things were enough to change your life, everybody in this room or everybody watching would have radically different lives. Because you believe all kinds of stuff that you don't do. Like a lot of you believe the science and um, everything behind health and nutrition, and it's done you no good, right? <laughs> I mean, you haven't done any of it. Like you know what to do, you haven't done it. Um, and isn't this true? This is another side note. And we do this in life, but we also do it in church world, where you like, you 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 honestly take this little step where you feel something and then you equate that to actually making progress. So some of you have the idea that you're gonna work out, you like buy the outfit and you already feel like, I think I'm, I think I'm skinnier. And like, you haven't worked out yet. Um, or this, is, um, this isn't so much me because I do nothing around my house um, in terms of like DIY, but the few things I haven't attempted to do, like I go to Home Depot, I get all the stuff for it after I've YouTubed it for four hours and then I get home. And then as soon as I get home, I'm like, whew, we're well on our way, we're making progress. The bag is still in my garage four years later, like I didn't do the project, but you know, you just do those things and it feels like you've made progress when you haven't. Um, the thing is like knowledge and information by themselves don't do you a lot of good. Like you know that addictions are harmful and some of us are deep in addiction. Like you know a lot of um, good financial practices, like you shouldn't spend more than you make, you shouldn't have a bunch of consumer debt and you have a bunch of consumer debt. Like we know what to do. Like your last semester was a train wreck. You were ready to go this semester. I know exactly what I have to do to make this better. You haven't done any of it. So believing is not enough. In fact, if most of us were just really um, transparent, like we know what we should do. 
In a lot of cases, we know where we need to act. We know where we, we need to move, and yet we don't do it because believing and information are not enough. Like, just relate this to a spiritual standpoint. Like, you, you know things like, I should forgive them even though they don't really deserve it. I know that I should be compassionate. I know that I should reorder some things in order to be generous or more generous, and I haven't really done that. Like, you know what you should do, but you haven't done it, or I haven't done it, because believing in information is not enough. If it were enough, a bunch of us would have less avoidable regret in our life. You know what I'm saying? Because stuff in life, like there's a bunch of unavoidable regret. A lot of us have piled up avoidable regret. Like we, it could have just been different if we would have acted on what we believed and what we knew was true. So it should be no surprise that Jesus invites us into this journey of, hey, believing is not enough. Even though that maybe is what you grew up on, that's the only thing that anybody talked about. If you just believe right, everything else falls in line. It doesn't. So Jesus says, listen, you gotta do stuff. You gotta run some plays, you gotta grind. There's gonna be moments specifically as we talk about faith in this series where you're gonna have to act, you're gonna have to step out, you are going to have to risk. And if you don't, all of your accumulation of belief and knowledge is not going to do you any good. Here's what I put in my notes that honestly is, um, it felt stupid to me, but you might remember it. When we believe but don't do, God's vision for our life doesn't come true. And listen, all right, Watch it. Um, Listen, like God has a destiny for your life. God has a will for your life. God has a plan for your life. And when we are confronted with, this is the direction that I want you to go and we won't go there. We won't risk it. We won't step out ultimately. That destiny and that will hinges on our willingness and our obedience to what God is telling us to do. And here's the thing, when we don't do it, not only do we not end up where we wanna end up, Worse, as we're talking about in this series, ultimately your faith becomes really weak and really stagnant and really, really fragile. It's why Jesus over and over again to first century and 21st century followers said, listen, the thing that I want for your life more than anything else is I want you to move to the place where you have active, bold, death-defying, I'm gonna trust God anyway in spite of faith. That even when God seems silent, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you've been wrong, even when the business goes in the tank, I'm just gonna continue to believe and trust God anyway. From the very beginning, Jesus said, that's been my invitation. And Jesus never wavered. It was unbelievably personal. It was unbelievably intimate. It was based on trust. I want you to follow me. And Jesus never wavered and never changed that invitation. But the church did. And over time, follow me became just believe in. And listen, believing is great, but can we just be honest for a second? Believing in something or someone is easy. Believing in something is, honestly, it takes no risk. It takes no effort. It takes no will. You don't have to step out to do that. And ultimately, it can leave you right where you are and it does not demand any change. Believing in or believing something about somebody is easy. And all throughout the New Testament, we've said this, God is not looking for you to just believe true things about him. I mean, way to go, amazing for you. But God wants a relationship where you trust in, are confident in, have faith in who he is. As we said in week one, Jesus is the object of our faith. 
It's not anything else. It's not what's been done in the name of Jesus. It's not what you grew up with. It's not what was told to you. It's not what you inherited. Jesus is the object of our faith, which is unbelievably important because a lot of times what we inherited is very different than what Jesus is actually inviting us into. And so he says, listen, I am most honored by your living, active, death-defying, in spite of faith. That's where I want to lead your life. Come on, isn't this true? When somebody is willing to trust you and there is a gap between what they experience and what they actually get and they're willing to trust your character anyway, it is the most honoring thing that they could do for you. Like when my wife, like I've created some gap and you're like, okay, her initial response is, you've got to be an idiot. How could you not know that? I've told you seven times not to what, for some reason, no examples come to my mind, but I'm sure it's happened. And like, then she decides by a move of the spirit of God that I'm just gonna trust anyway. When there is a gap between expectations and experience, I'm gonna trust your character. I'm gonna trust you even when I don't understand. And Jesus' desire for every single one of our lives is that eventually you would get to the place where you stop just believing stuff and that you would wake up every single day. And I think this is the question that you would wake up every single day and regardless of what your circumstances are, you would ask this question, what would anybody do who is me who was absolutely confident that God was with them? What would anybody do whose marriage is hanging on by a thread but is absolutely confident that God is with them anyway? What would anybody do who is struggling with a child who's walking away and I don't know what to do about it and I don't know why God hasn't intervened at a more practical level and yet I'm going to do what anybody would do whose child has walked away and I don't know what to do if I was absolutely confident that God was with me anyway. I'm gonna do what anybody would do who's lost a business or who's been wronged or can't get past this relational friction but I am absolutely confident that God is with me anyway. How would somebody get up and live and respond and act and what would they give up and what would they prioritize? And God's going, that's ultimately what I want for your life. So you spent 20 years believing, amazing. That's never what I invited you into. I want you to follow me. So in this series, here's what we've asked is, what are basically the five faith catalysts or five things that awakens active, enduring faith? And I think if you look all throughout the New Testament at what Jesus taught and what Jesus modeled, these things come to the surface. And here's what I love about these things. They're multicultural, they're multi-generational, they're for everybody. And in fact, they intersect with your life in different ways at different seasons, depending on where you are. And they're not a checklist. You don't go home and go, okay, I need to incorporate these five things. They're things that you position yourself for in order for God to do his work and awaken your faith. And so we've looked at a couple already. The third thing I wanna look at today, that as you see all throughout the New Testament, this is so unbelievably clear that one of the things that God uses to awaken active, enduring, in spite of faith is practical teaching. That if you are ever gonna blow up your faith, you have got to position yourself where you understand what to do and then you do it. In fact, our whole church is designed around this. And here's what I guarantee you. If you sat down with somebody where you admire their faith, you know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, you almost seem a little naive. You face this and yet you've trusted God anyway. That person who just seems unshakable, that person who has what you have or want, they, they have what you want. If you were to sit down with them, what you would discover is that at some point along the way, the scriptures, what Jesus taught his life came alive to them, usually as a result of somebody else and their faith blew up like never before before. Like, here's the thing. Some of you experienced this. You spent 20 years in like church world around around the scriptures and you didn't understand any of it. 
And consequently, your faith never seemed to really grow. Your faith never seemed to really blow up. But one of the reasons that application or practical teaching or relevant teaching grows our faith is this. When our act of faith intersects with God's faithfulness, our faith begins to grow. Like here's what you will discover eventually if you begin to act. When you act where God's going, I want you to step. I want you to go, I want you to say, say yes. When you act and then you experience God's faithfulness, your trust in God deepens. When you are willing, and all of us, maybe, maybe not all of us, but we've had those crossroads where we have to decide, am I going to follow even when it is incredibly difficult? When I look like an idiot to one of my friends, where it's hard to explain, but I know Jesus is leading me to move in that direction. When we are willing to step, even when it's very difficult, on the other side of it, when our little bit of faith intersects with God's faithfulness, our faith begins to grow. And here's the thing that's really important for you to know is, that is the means to experiencing God. Because when you experience God's faithfulness, when you're willing to act on your faith, you experience God because God is spirit. And on the other side of every, I'm just gonna do it anyway. I'm just gonna give anyway. I'm just gonna forgive them anyway. I'm just gonna keep being faithful anyway, even though it seems like nobody's noticing. I'm gonna step out anyway, I'm gonna lead it anyway. I'm gonna be misunderstood anyway because I know God is asking me to take a step. When you do that, those are the moments on the other side that you begin to experience God because you begin to experience God's faithfulness on the other side of your act of faith. For some of you were like, well, where's God at? Where's God at? Where's God? God is on the other side of you taking a step that is beyond you that maybe he's been inviting you into for a decade. And on the other side of it, you will experience something you will not get from any worship music, Bible study, quiet time, or whatever else you wanna pile up where you get the experience of knowing that God is with you and God can be trusted in any circumstance. And the only way to experience that is to move into act. Here's what we've said throughout the series. That the currency of any relationship is trust, right? As we said from the beginning, your marriage is no better than the trust. Your relationship with your kids is no better than his trust. My kids can obey all of the rules and still hate me at 18. Obedience is not the goal. Trust ultimately is the goal because obedience is the thing that signifies trust and Jesus is going, I want you to trust me and I want you, and this sounds weird, I want you to give me the opportunity to be trustworthy in your life but it's never gonna happen until you come to the place to go, okay, this is what God's inviting me into and now I gotta do something. Now I gotta act and now I have to respond. This was the theme all throughout Jesus' teaching, most notably his most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' popularity was blowing up. He does this sermon that was, it was so impractical that it was impractical. Like it was so clear, it was so practical that it was, it was the reason that it was so challenging. A lot of times I get confused for um, not being that deep, which I totally get it. Like I need, which by the way, by definition, deep means in over your head. So a lot of times I don't know if it's, somebody is not deep, they may just be clear and there's a difference. 
So you don't always need deep. There's a million things that you've already learned and discovered and you're not doing any of them. In fact, I think we could camp our lives out on John 13, 34 and 35 when Jesus said in the upper room, I want you to go love other people the way I've loved you. And by this, everybody's gonna know you're my disciples. My hunch is none of us are doing that that great. That's pretty much all the deepness we need. Hey, just go do that for the next 30 years. And so Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was incredibly, incredibly practical, which made it crystal clear, which honestly made it terrifying because Jesus shifted everything when he introduced this upside down kingdom, which was this paradigm shifting movement of, hey, I know that in a Roman and Greek culture, I know under the rule of Nero, I know in terms of might make, makes right, that it's all about you and leveraging your power, your influence and what you've been given, your family lineage in order to get everything that you feel like is owed to you. But I'm telling you, I am shifting the paradigm. I'm changing how you operate. I'm introducing a brand new, other's first kingdom that is not about you. And so in any situation, when you find that you have leverage or influence or power or money, just know it's not for the sake of you, it's for the sake of other people around you. And then he began to make it practical. Hey, when somebody asks for a favor, do more than what they asked for. And they're like, are you kidding me? And then he began to talk about, hey, I know that you've heard that you're to, to hate your enemies because that was a, a popular saying in first century culture. He said, I, I want you to love your enemies. And I actually want you to pray for those who persecute you. What? Hey, and by the way, the moment you are tempted to judge or to go point something out to somebody else, I want you to get the fricking two by four out of your own eye and then you go try to help them. This is the other's first upside down kingdom that I'm introducing. And I want you to understand if you go to the temple and you have a sacrifice, but you are not right with the people to your left and to, right, to your right, maybe the Samaritans, Maybe the tax collectors, maybe it's the pimps and prostitutes that you can't stand, maybe it's the political zealots. I want you to leave your sacrifice at the altar and go get it right with them. God can wait. Because now the vertical relationship with you and God is gonna be played out by your relationship with other people to your right, to your left. It was in others first, completely upside down, kingdom ethic that they had never bumped into before. And it was so practical that it was impractical. And so Jesus was saying, listen, I'm inviting you not simply to believe differently. That's easy. I'm inviting you to live your entire life differently. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And no wonder the church opted for believe in. That's easy. That requires Nothing. In fact, here's the promise that Jesus gave, and this is so familiar that we even made songs around it. Please don't sing them in Matthew 7, 24. But here's what he says. And you've heard this so many times, it's easy to tune out, but just stay with me. Here's the promise that Jesus gives at the, toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, anyone who, what's the word? Okay, try one more time. Just wanna make sure you're with me. Anyone who what? Hears these words of mine and believes them. Nope. Anyone who hears these words of mine and intends to do stuff with it. Nope. Anybody who hears these words and is convicted and feels like, oh, yeah, I should do something. Nope. And that's as far as most of us get a lot of times. And then we feel like we've had an encounter with God. In fact, some of you grew up with church experience that the guiltier you felt, the more you felt like that somebody was just hammering you, the closer you felt to God. You never did anything about it, but you just thought the whole point was, if I walk away feeling shame and guilt, God is working in my life, right? It never changed anything. 
And so Jesus says, no, no, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, meaning acts on what they know, acts on what they believe is like a wise man. Now, real quick, pause. Here's all he's saying, is wise men understand that today's events and today's beliefs and how we act on them ultimately are going to determine tomorrow's outcomes. Wise people understand what a lot of us lose sight of, even though it's so elementary, that if you make decisions heading your life in this direction, you are not gonna pray and believe your way into this direction. Your decisions are determining your outcomes. They are leading you somewhere. And he's like, listen, people who are wise understand that there is a connection between cause and effect, between today and tomorrow's reality. And belief by itself changes nothing. And so he says, whoever hears these words of mine, puts them into practice, is like a wise man. Verse 24, I love this picture, who built his house, meaning established his life and his future on what he knew, and then he went all in. Built his house on the rock. Now, real quick, um, I know uh, very little about building. Um, I know nothing about building. What I know, just because I studied it, is like in the day, this is how they had to build secure homes or secure dwelling places that they would find rock and they would build on top of it. Now, if that was today, you're like, that's the worst place to build. But that's what they did in order to create a foundation for something that was gonna last. And so here's Jesus' point, which I think is so brilliant. He's like, listen, what I'm calling you into, what I'm inviting you into is, it is labor intensive and it is time consuming and I want you to follow me. And it is gonna be so difficult because most of the things that I'm prompting you to do do not feel urgent. Most of the things that I'm prompting you to do, those acts of faith, those will you trust me, will you believe me, they don't even seem like that big a deal. But you have to understand you are building your life and your faith for the future. You are determining right now where ultimately you are going to end up. And so Jesus says to you, listen, you just need to know it's gonna cost you. There's gonna be times it's gonna be sacrifice. Nobody's gonna understand. It's gonna seem like the least intuitive thing in the world to do. And it's gonna take a lot of time. And Jesus would say to us, but I want you to follow me anyway because my way is better. And the implications behind all of it is Jesus actually saying this, will you trust me? Will you believe me? Will you act on what you know and what you believe today in order to have an outcome that is different tomorrow because the only way that we experience God is by ultimately expressing trust. And if you have never expressed trust in God in those areas where you do not know the outcome, you've never really experienced God. And so he says, anyone who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then he illustrates the future for us. Verse 25, I love this, even though it's kind of bleak. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And what they understood, and this is an area where there was a ton of flash flooding, is that the foundation was everything because the foundation was the determining factor of life and death. The foundation with flash flooding was the determining factor of whether you make it through or whether you lose everything. And Jesus says, what you do now with what you know and what you believe is gonna determine everything in a future day. Right now, you are forging your faith for a future day that you don't even know about. And then he illustrates it 
this way, verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does, does not put them into practice is like a fool who built his house on the sand. And here's what I wanna say, because like this is, I'm so passionate about this. The implications for followers of Jesus, the implications for Christians are staggering. Because here's what many of us have experienced. This is what a lot of our evangelical churches are made up of, is you can walk in or you can be a part of, or you can engage and you can sing all the songs and you can know all the theology and you can believe all the right stuff and you can intend to do things every single week and you can cry during worship and then you can walk out and live a life that actually undermines your faith and sets you up for a crisis of faith. Believing can be very deceiving. Your belief earns you no extra credit. Your belief is not getting a golf clap from Jesus. Your belief is not the ultimate goal. Belief is extraordinarily important, but if you do not do something with what you believe ultimately, you are setting yourself up for a crisis of faith when the storm eventually comes and it's coming. Like, come on, isn't this true for a ton of skeptics and agnostics that listen to us and attend and you're in the room today and you maybe walked away from this whole thing? I mean, come on, isn't the question a lot of times, like, do you believe any of this? Like, do you believe any of this? Like, here's what you say, here's what you do, here's how you respond in culture, here's how you respond to other people. And come on, if we don't do what we say we believe, how is any of our theology and belief system attractive to anybody? I'd walk away from Jesus too. I'd be done with the church too. And so Jesus says, anyone who puts these words into practice are like a man who built his house on the rock, but those who don't, you are setting yourself up for future disaster. And then James, who's the, well, the brother of Jesus, was even more direct when he said this in James 1.22. You still with me? Yeah. Don't merely listen to the word and so, what's the word? And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Run some plays. Begin to act on what you know God is prompting you to do right now and you've been holding it off and you've been excusing and you've been minimizing. And what's at stake is your future faith and believing doesn't do anything for you. It only deceives you into thinking you're at a place that you are not and then eventually all of the stuff hits the fan and your faith goes away and you wondered what happened? Because you had an intellectual assent to believe something without doing anything with it. And so your faith was weak, it was fragile, and it was frail. Then James goes on, if you know, I won't read it, but he gives a brilliant illustration of the mirror. And like, you, you get up every day, you look in the mirror, and I mean, every once in a while, you probably get tired of like, this is as good as it's gonna get, this is all I've got to work with. But generally, you don't do that right away. Like, you look in the mirror, and you at least try to do something. It's not like out of bed, boom, okay, this is all I got. And then you're out the door. Like, you try to correct something. In fact, Jesus' point, or James' point is this. You stay there until you get it as right as you can, for most of you. And he's like, come on. This is his example. You would spend that much time and energy. I mean, Americans, and listen, this is, this is great, but 12, I think, billion dollars Botoxing and lifting and tucking and all that stuff, which is incredible. James, you know, is like, that's amazing. But listen, if you would spend that much time and energy on something that does not have the ability to change the trajectory of your life, 
What would happen if you began, as you are confronted with those things of, hey, you need to act, you need to change this, you need to move in faith, this has gotta be different. If you begin to act on those things, can you imagine what it would do for your life, for your future, for your faith? Because one day, what you are doing now in this moment to say yes to that, to ignore that, to say no to that, to reprioritize, what you are doing now in this moment is either atrophying your faith or it is forging your faith for a future day where you are going to need faith when God does not make sense. And God has not answered any of your prayers lately. And you don't know where to go next. And here's what you need to know. You sow and you reap your way into that moment. Faith is not born in an instant. Faith is grown. Faith is like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the more it grows. And so Jesus says, listen, I want you. I want you to follow me. And listen, I can just tell you from experience, like several moments in my life, like everybody, all of us have our own stories where it's like, God, really? That's your timing? That's what you wanna do right now? That's what you wanna allow right now? That's how you wanna repay me for my faith right now? And the only thing that has gotten me through those seasons is spending a couple decades imperfectly, hear me, imperfectly forging faith that when God asked me to step as best I can step in to go, God, I'm gonna trust you anyway. God, I'm gonna say yes anyway. God, I'm gonna start and lead that anyway. God, I'm gonna forgive them anyway. And over time, as I've experienced God's faithfulness on the other side of those acts of faith, it does enough to my faith that when I get to those moments where everything is out of control and God is so confusing to me, I have just enough to be able to go, God, I'm gonna trust you anyway because I've experienced you and my faith has grown in those moments leading up to this moment. And so like Jesus, James adds this promise, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law which is really just summarized of love God, love other people, and that gives freedom. And by the way, if you've been introduced to Jesus' teachings and it has not felt like freedom, somebody gave it to you wrong. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be, what's the word? They will be blessed in what they do. You wanna experience God? You're not gonna find him in a Bible study. I mean, at some level you will. But if you just go to a Bible study and you accumulate more information and go your way, you will not experience God. When you are willing to act on where God's prompting you, when you're willing to step where it's gonna stretch your faith, when your little bit of faith intersects with God's faithfulness, you begin to experience God. And so here's what Jesus said. The rain came down And eventually the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and yet it didn't fall because it had the foundation on the rock, literally. This is an invitation to live out what you believe wherever you go. And when you do, your faith grows. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a fool who built his house on the sand. Because, just hear me, church, quick. It's easy. They listened, they believed, they didn't do anything. And come on, sometimes God's invitations are time sensitive. I'm asking you to move now. I'm asking you to say yes now. I'm asking you to lead that now.
I'm asking you to give up that now. And Jesus is going, this is the invitation. But some, you're just gonna walk away and basically the reason is gonna be, it just was too hard. And it just took, took too long. But the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Do you know, cause like a huge part of my life and a passion of my life is just talking to people who've had deconversion experiences or in the midst of that right now and really good friends who've kind of grew up with it and then just trying to figure it out. Many of them have, have walked away. But do you know what happens when somebody who grows up in this or maybe you've been around it for a few years when they simply listen and then they believe but don't do anything with what they hear? Do you know ultimately what happens when the crash comes? They do one of two things. They blame God or they decide there is no God. But when you move forward long enough, believing, intending, feeling, but not doing, eventually your faith grows weaker and you get into those moments where you need that faith the most. And those are the moments where it's just easy to go, God, why are you even doing this? Or to conclude, if this is how it's gonna go down, if this is what God's gonna do, if this is how God's gonna respond, I don't think there is a God because you've never experienced the faithfulness of God on the other side of a step of faith. And now is that moment because although those individuals, and maybe this is you believed, their faith was weak, it was frail, it was fragile. I say this with as much grace as I can muster. I think this has been what has been revealed in like the evangelical church over the last two years is that the moment that the storm comes, whether it's culturally, politically, or a pandemic, for so many, it takes the legs right out from under their faith. And it wasn't the immediate storm that did that. It was all the time leading up to that where they had the opportunity to forge the faith that they would need in that moment. And when they needed it, it wasn't available. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he's Jesus. And because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Because when your faith and obedience intersects with God's faithfulness, your faith grows. But if you neglect it, and some of this is where you're, you're at right now, if you refuse to act, eventually one day you're gonna discover, I don't know if I believe anymore. And just hear me, because I've been in so many of these conversations. And momentarily, you're gonna feel relief. And momentarily, your life may even seem easier. Like, why was I holding the Jesus thing in the first place? Because this is a lot better. But then the rain's gonna come. And then the winds are gonna blow. And they're gonna beat against the house. And your faith is gonna come down with a great crash. And your heavenly father wants more for you. Because one day, you know this, the storm is gonna rage. Talk about that more in week six. One day, you are gonna walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you have watched people in those moments with extraordinary faith and wondered, how in the world do you get there? They got there, 
by taking seriously and practicing and preparing what Jesus preached. And they had extraordinary faith in those moments when they needed it most, not because it magically appeared or because they prayed for it and God answered, but because they had been grinding for a decade going, God, I'm just gonna trust you anyway. God, I don't understand this, but I'm gonna step out anyway. God, I'm gonna, I know you're stretching me and this is nerve wracking and I don't know how it's gonna end up. And I don't even know if your way is better, but I'm just gonna trust you anyway. And in this moment, I'm gonna do what anybody would do who was absolutely confident that God was with them. And their little bit of weak, wobbly faith intersect with God's faithfulness just enough to where eventually their faith grew. And when the storm came, they had just enough to know, even in financial ruin, even with heartbreak, even with a marriage disaster, even with mental illness, even with an addiction, even with loneliness, even with all of the stuff that is flying out of control. I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna do what anybody would do who is absolutely confident that God was with them because I've experienced just enough to know that even when God is silent, when God seems inactive, when God has not answered my prayers, I can trust him anyway. And so Jesus, I'm following you through the storm. So as we close, that's why one of the things that God's gonna use is his word and his words practically applied in such a way that you do something with them. And so find a place where that's happening. And here's what I'm gonna say. And find a place within the context of community that Justin talked about last week. Just hearing without community makes it almost impossible to do anything with it. It's why podcasts are great. All the stuff that's available to us are great. I think in a lot of cases, it deceives us into a place of spirituality we're not at. Because you need community. You, this is why in the New Testament, to my astonishment, because I don't know why God would use this. He said that God would use the foolishness of preaching to change hearts and lives until he comes back. And I know in 2021, we think, well, there's gotta be a better way. This just seems nonsensical. Jesus said it was through the writings of Paul. It's ridiculous to have somebody else come up and preach the scriptures. Like, why is there power in that? I don't know, but there is. And when we come together to hear it and understand it and it's practical and it's relevant and we know what to do. And then we take it back into community and community groups to go, hey, what are you thinking about that? How are you struggling with that? How have you seen God work in that? I'm telling you, God begins to blow up your faith. So for some of you, you just need to position yourself for that. I'm talking about in the room, position yourself for that. Cause I don't know what it is. But the spirit of God works through that where two or three are gathered. And then you need to get into community and get into a group. And I'm telling you, God will begin to move and God will begin to work. And, and listen, I get the criticism we get sometimes about quiet and reflective and all those things. There is a place for that. I did a series at the beginning of the year called The Hell With Normal. And one of the things I talked about was this lost art and spiritual discipline of quiet and solitude. It is incredibly important. It's a huge part of my spiritual practices. But this is not that environment. This, when it gets loud and it's like whatever, and it seems irreverent. Listen, if you were to travel around with Jesus, it was a lot of times seemingly irreverent and it was loud. Jesus would teach and preach a message. And then afterward, they tried to stone him to death, which is why I have a quick exit and I'm parked out back. If it really just goes off the rails, I can go. One time Jesus got done, they tried to throw him off a cliff. It wasn't that quiet. It wasn't that subdued. There are moments where God uses his word through his spirits to pin you to a chair to go, I know there's a lot of tension right now. I know you feel this thing of like, I almost feel 
bad, but I know I need to act. And God's going, okay, that's the moments where I want to forge your faith if you'll say yes. And you have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision right now to go, okay, God, I'm going to step. I'm going to do this. I'm going to act. And I'm going to trust you to be faithful on the other side. So what is it for you? I don't even have to tell you because you know. The Spirit is so good at moving individually in your hearts among tons of people to this thing comes to the surface right now and you're like, I don't wanna deal with that. And Jesus is going, I want you to act. It's a relationship. It's your finances. It's some area where you need to step out and forgive and it's the hardest thing in your life that you've ever had to do. It's where you need to move to to step into this thing that God's calling you to lead and serve as a part of. And there's so many things warring against it and it's gonna create sacrifice. And God's going, I know I wanna stretch your faith. For some of you, the reason that your faith has never grown is you haven't needed it. And Jesus is going, would you follow me? Would you trust me? Would you not be content with just settling for believe in? Because all of us have met those people through extraordinary difficult circumstances. And you think, I want that kind of faith. Why don't we be those people? Why don't you begin to act on what God is calling you to do right now in this moment? Because the world needs those kind of people. And I'll tell you, your world needs those kind of people. The little humans you're raising needs those kind of people. You need to begin to tell a story of faith and it starts in this moment to take Jesus seriously because Jesus is smart. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is doing the hard work of building their life on a solid foundation. And one day when it all flies out of control, you'll be able to trust God anyway because your faith is intersected with God's faithfulness. And when that happens, you will never be the same again. So what is that thing? What is that step? What is that stretching? And is it possible that that thing that you're ignoring is the very place where God wants to awaken your faith? Don't miss the next two weeks. Don't miss inviting, specifically week six, because I wanna talk about something that you have all been through that I'm hoping will help you as maybe being in the midst of a season where it is difficult and God is confusing and you're not sure how to make it through. And so would you guys stand with me and pray and online via live stream podcast, would you just join me right now? Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in this moment. I pray that you would give us the wisdom to know what to do. And honestly, for most of us, that's the easy part. What we're really praying for is the courage to actually do it. And so God, I just pray that for a lot of us, we would stop settling for weak, anemic, easy, I don't have to change anything, faith. And God, you would lead us right now in this moment in that area that you are revealing to us to step out and to say, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna trust you. And for those who've never come to that place to place their faith and trust in you in terms of relationship, I pray that, God, this may be the moment, wherever they are, to believe that you came to earth, you lived the perfect life they couldn't live, you died the death that they should have died, that all of us should have for our sin and dysfunction, and then you walked out of a grave alive. And this would be the moment where they would transfer their trust to you to say, Jesus, I know I can't earn my way to you, so I'm trusting instead what you've done for me. And so God, move in hearts and lives in this moment, and we pray this in Jesus' incredible name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? 
first, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family, maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.